0: Correct. So, all right. Well, again, back to the Rangers. They are tonight at uh, 7 o'clock at the Garden. They'll play three games in four nights. They'll play the Devils on Thursday and the Islanders again on Friday. So, we'll keep you abreast of any preseason developments. We thank uh, the Bamboozle Project, as always. Check them out at www.TheBamboozleProject.com. Use promo code MYPB. Save yourself a whopping 25%. Or 25%. Uh, we thank DraftKings as well. Uh, any other questions from you, sir?
1: Mm-hmm. Good show.
0: Good show as always. We will uh, talk to you next week. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Good morning, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the hell you're listening to this. You're listening to the Cutting Edge with Jack Knife, part of the Fat of the Nerds Talking Sports Network, the Sports Pod with Dad Buds. We got another guest today after having a guest last week, and Johnny. Letters. This time we have Jeffrey Crensman of the Mind Your Pucking Business podcast. Jeff, thank you for coming on. How you doing?
0: I'm doing good and happy to be here. I'm a big fan of your show, Jack, so uh, I'm excited.
1: I'm. Thank you very much. I actually listened to the episode you released. I don't know if it was last night or you definitely recorded it on Tuesday, but I was listening at work today. Were you able to move in to the more expensive sections at MSG after the getting the cheaper tickets?
0: We were. However, uh, they seem to be cracking down a little bit more. It's getting a little bit harder to do. (laughs) Uh, but we were able to move down. We actually had seats in, I believe it was 221, but we moved down to about one, I think it was 116.
1: I gotta, I gotta see where that is on the map. I know that's, I know like what, you know, what level that is per se, but that, that I was gonna say, my feet, my wife and I went to see Shania Twain at the garden this summer, and even though we were in the 200 sections, my friend. I think this was the exact same section we sat in 221. We, we, my friends tried to come up and say hi to us but, you know, security just wouldn't let them through even though it was like the 200 sections and the most frustrating thing about that is the four women who sat next to us they just up and left, never came back so they could have had those seats but like, alright, whatever. But it's okay, it's okay, it was still a great show but most importantly, but the most important thing is back at Madison Square Garden and that is New York Rangers hockey. I am so happy it's back, and i got to bring up the rundown. Normally I have the rundown on my computer, but I typed it all on my phone this time. So what are your expectations on the team this year? Because I told Johnny Lazarus I'm expecting playoff team. Maybe win a playoff round, nothing more.
0: Um, Well, I certainly would expect a playoff team. I I think a lot of the the tools – and pieces that have made them a playoff team the last couple of years are still there, including an elite goaltender. So, I mean, I, th- I think if they didn't make the playoffs, it would be a catastrophic disaster. I think they have a new coach. Um, and normally teams, as you saw with the Rangers two years ago with Garg Gallant in his first year, uh, do well uh, in a first season. So I think all really the, the, the makings are there to make the playoffs. As for how far they go when they get in, you know what? I could make an argument that says they're out in the first round, uh, which is kind of, I think what you're saying. And I could also make an argument. They win the cup, right? If you, you know, if your goaltender gets hot and, and, you know, Panarin can figure out some of his playoff disappointments and some other things, I can make an argument. They could beat anyone in a seven game series. So um, I think it's hard to say, but I think right now, I mean, they should be a playoff team barring any injury or something crazy.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think, Artemi Panarin is out for, for lack of a better term, revenge this year. I think he's been, he's so disappointed in himself. He wants to prove to himself and like people who doubt him that he wants to be able to perform in the playoffs. But I think there is a, there is a fantastic sign that the New York Rangers are going to go far this postseason. And that is this. Paul Bizanet expects us not to make the playoffs this year. I don't know if you listen to <laughs> Spit and Chicklets. But, okay, I give him credit for the Mike Babcock situation. Good on him there. But, like, when it comes to his predictions, he's usually wrong. He was. He said we weren't going to go far in 2022. That We went far. He said we were going to go far last year. We got eliminated in the first round. So, now, we're not going to the playoffs. It's the George Costanza effect, if, if you watch Seinfeld.
0: Yeah, so maybe you want him to tell you, you know, something negative about your team. So if that's the case, then we'll, we'll be happy to take his prediction.
1: Yeah. He calls us, Fug- he calls us fugazes. I don't know if he's just trolling, but it is what it is. So after seeing what you think of the team last night, you were, you were there. What was it like seeing them in person?
0: Um, you know what? I always look at preseason a couple different ways. I don't care about the score. Like <laughs> I really too. don't. I, I, you know, I could care less if they win or lose. It's more kind of looking at some players, Uh, I thought Capo Caco played really well last night. I thought he was, aside from scoring, you know, uh, 10 seconds in, um, I thought he was really good on the puck. I thought he was really good on the boards. I think he was more physical. There was a play uh, earlier, you know, earlier on. I don't think it was on camera, but I was there and he was fighting in the corner with um, Johnston, the real kind of goon on the Islanders messing around with him after the play. So you like to see that I liked what I saw there. Um, I thought uh, Igor looked good. I thought the one goal he let up was kind of just a ricochet goal. Um, I don't know that he got tested a lot. Like, you know, the Islanders last night didn't have Barzell. They didn't have a bunch of other guys. So, you know, I mean, you kind of take it at that. I thought Othman looked good uh, from a little bit I saw. Um, And I thought defensively, you know, Fox and Trubo looked good. I think you could tell that they – we're not in midseason form, but I mean no real reason it could be concerned there. But yeah, I mean I liked what I saw from certain players. I don't think there was anything like yesterday with a player that stood out negatively, which is kind of the one thing you don't want to happen. And I didn't see that. I thought Trocheck actually looked pretty good as well last night.
1: Yeah, Trocheck took some shots from Johnston, like and he just laughed it off. But and got it
0: and he got an extra penalty because he laughed it off, and Johnston got the
1: second double minor second two minutes resulting in a double minor because he kept going at it. So credit to, to check there. Yeah, and credit to uh, one of our prospects, Matt Rempe, for going toe to toe with Johnson mm-hmm. and doing really well against the uh, veteran fighter. But yeah, I think it was very good to see Capo Kapo Kako's store Again, I I agree with you. I'm not the type of person to like sell. I'm, I'm not the type of person to celebrate a preseason win. I'm type of person. I just want to look at some performances. Okay, let's see who's doing well. Okay, let's see who still needs work. But Kappa is one of these guys that needs to have a breakout year. If the Rangers expect to go far Blake Wheeler, you know, it was a, his goal was a simple little tip in. Okay. but He's where he needs to be. And Tyler Pitlick also getting a goal, like two of our new guys, you know, making impacts immediately. And as far as Brennan Offman goes, I know, I know he's not going to make the roster out of camp. I'd love for him to prove me wrong, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, let him go to Hartford. Let him get first-line minute line minutes there. Let him cook. But I, he's just always involved in the action. You know, he's always hitting. He, like, he did take one penalty, but, you know, he's still getting in the faces of these Islanders players. I know that fans of our rival teams are going to hate him, and I'm just going to be like, good. Because he. I've told Johnny, he's one of those guys that gives your team an identity. So, yeah, I mean, I, and I, I would agree with you on Hoffman. I don't want him to make
0: the roster for the exact reasons you mentioned. He's better off getting top line or, you know, top six minutes down in Hartford because he's not going to get it here. Um, and his role is not to be a bottom six guy like that's not his game. Right. To be a third line or fourth line guy. I'd rather him, you know, play in the minors for a year. And look, you never know in the league. Hopefully it doesn't come to this. But if you get, you know, an injury or something and he's got to come up and play up five minutes, we could evaluate it then. But I'm not looking for him to be on the opening night roster.
1: Absolutely. And I think I think he knows that. I think he's going to handle that way better than Vitaly Krasov. Everything about this kid, he's shown us that he just wants to keep bettering himself each and every day. But now we had a bit of an injury scare, if you want to call it that a few days ago, Mika Zibanejad left, you know, one of the scrimmages at practice with an upper body injury day-to-day, and Offman was day-to-day as well, but the good thing is with under Peter Laviolette as opposed to Gerard Gallant, day-to-day actually means day-to-day. So Zibanejad was back, you know, the next day in, like, non-contact jersey, but right now, Artemi Panarin and Filipino are currently day-to-day. I don't think they practice today, but again, So, from what I've seen so far, Peter Lavulet actually means it. Now, do you think this could be, you know, them getting their first like real tough practices in a long time? Because, from what I understand, Gerard Gallant really didn't push the guys that hard in practices. Uh, Yeah, I think that can certainly be
0: a part of it. Um, You know, Gerard, Gerard Gallant was not known for. You know, heavy conditioning in in camp. I mean, the polar opposite of that would be what John Tortorella does down in Philly. Um, so I think it could be that. Um, I believe Mika was actually hit, um, kind of just like an incidental contact. Aaron, kind of Aaron Stick. Yeah, um, but everything from what I've been told with Panarin and um, um, Keedle is that it is day to day. It's not a, a major thing. I don't think you'll see them play tomorrow. Versus the Devils or even Friday, but I would think next week you'll get in a game or two, and I think they'll be fine. You know, people, even though preseason is back, the Rangers don't play a meaningful game still for over two weeks, not till mm-hmm. Buffalo on October twelfth. So, so if it's day to day, and maybe say it wasn't day to day, and was a week to week, you still got time to nurse these injuries. So I don't really think anyone's overly concerned at the
1: moment. Absolutely, and Laviolette's a smart guy. He's one of three coaches since the expansion era to take three different teams to the Stanley cup final. So he's not, he's not a stupid guy. So he knows, all right, these are meaningless games. Don't push them too hard. If something's nagging, it kind of, but you know, it kind of reminds me the 1993, 94 season. When Mike Keenan came in, he really stressed the conditioning of these guys at the very beginning. But anyway, any thoughts on the line combinations now again, Laviolette's been, you know, been juggling them a lot and the practices because This is the preseason. You're supposed to see what works. But at one point, he did actually have, you know, kids in the top six. Kako on right wing one, Lafreniere, you know, he's getting his chance on the right wing and right wing two. I mean, I think if you're a Ranger fan, you got to think, finally, these kids are getting their an opportunity to succeed.
0: Uh, I would say the exact same thing you said, Jack. Like, that's that's priority number one. I want Kako and Lafreniere, you know, getting top six minutes. Um, I think the line combinations at all overall, you know, it's funny. I was was thinking today, this randomly this afternoon, if you look at the 12 forward positions, right? So you have three positions times four lines. The only one that is a given that I would sit here and say, I will bet my mortgage that this person is in this role would be Mika Zibinajad at the top line center. Mm -hmm. Anyone else, I, I wouldn't bet my life on it. I mean, even Kreider on the first line, right, left wing, I've came out last week with something and, you know, some people loved it and some people hated it. And it said, look, put Lafreniere on the left line, left wing on the top line, even though we've, they've now come out and said, he's going to play on the, on the right. So I would like to see the kids get some time. I think this is a system that Laviolette plays. That's a lot more uh, beneficial for Kako and Lafreniere to flourish in, uh, you know, the four check kind of game strategy play that Laviolette plays where is Gallant kind of said, Hey, I'm going to leave it up to my vets to play. Right. And it wasn't a lot of coaching going on. So um, I'm with you on that. I'd like to see some top six minutes for Lafreniere and Kako for sure. However, it ends up being.
1: Absolutely. And like you see, you know, I see there was a tweet that came out today of Patrick Kane, you know, practicing and he's wearing his Ranger pants and I'm just, people are like, Oh, he could still come here. I'm like one with what cap room two. You have to choose. Do you want Lafreniere and Kako to get top six minutes, or do you want Patrick Kane? You cannot have both. You cannot have well,
0: both. Well, you can have both, but here's my thing on it, and I'm not saying I want Patrick Kane back because I really don't. Buddy neither. When, when Patrick Kane is going to be in a position where he's game ready, there will be teams, and it could be the Rangers, that have been hit with some injuries or stuff like that. So where Patrick Kane would sign today is not necessarily where he will sign when he's actually able, ready to play again. So I don't want to rule it out. I mean, look, I think if you told me, and I hope this isn't the case that, you know, in November, December comes around Kane's ready and Lafrenette and Kaka are not having good years. And you have some sort of belief that Kane is healthy and he'll take the veteran minimum. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you could sell me on it, but let's hope that it doesn't, the situation arise where you need him.
1: Absolutely. And, I think at the beginning of the year, we're not gonna like come come out fast out of the gates because we're going from a coaching system, we're going from a non-existent coaching system because Gerard Gallant was like, uh, "You guys just go out and play, you guys figure it out," to a to a like complete opposite a st- structure. So it's it's probably gonna take some time for these guys to get used to it in an actual game. Like think back to twenty thirteen fourteen we we were terrible at the beginning of the year when we started that West Coast trip, but right we went to the conference. We made it to the Stanley cup that year. So it's not how you start. It's how you finish. You want to
0: hear a weird story about that? I'm impressed. You just said that. So in tw- I don't know if you, if you remember this, well, obviously you remember that they had a terrible start under Elaine Vigneault. Yeah. In the fall of 2013. And I want to say it was like the second week of December and John Tortorella, who the Rangers had fired in the offseason to go to Elaine Vigneault's daughter, uh, Brittany, I believe is her name, put out a tweet on Twitter and it said something like, you know, be careful what you wished for, right? And it and it was totally directed at the Rangers for firing her dad because they have been struggling under Elaine Vigneault. But it took them time to find their likes. And that second half with Vigneault, and Vigneault is also similar to La Villette, right? He plays a system-oriented coach. He's a coach that relies heavily on the forecheck. It took them some time. So it's an interesting comparison to go back that far because there certainly are some
1: similarities. Absolutely. And yeah, that it was Black Friday. John Tortle's first game back at MSG when he was the coach of the, Can- of the Canucks. Chris Kreider got his first career. Patrick.
0: Patrick. Yep. yep. Absolutely yep. did.
1: Yeah. Now one now some. I don't know if you notice defensive players tend to put up a lot more points under Peter Laviolette's system. I, I wonder if that has anything to do with Phil Housley being on being one of his right hand men. So we could expect some guys who are not Adam Fox to put up a lot of points. I say what's the over under on how many points Keandre Miller puts up. Cause I think he's going to freaking explode.
0: Uh, well, Keandre Miller is an interesting situation. Uh, two years ago, we had a great year, right? Here's a guy that when he came out of Wisconsin, where he went to college, yeah, had a tremendous amount of hype. And in fairness to him, he probably should not have been hyped up as much as he would because it just sets the bar really high. And, you know, he had a couple of good years. Last year was not one of them. It was not a very good year for him. And I'm not talking just statistically, but with turnovers and whatnot. Hopefully, having Phil Housie, who you mentioned, who's a Hall of Fame defenseman and playing in a new system can help kind of reinvigorate his game to get back to the level he was two years ago.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at his stats right now in 79 games. He had 43 points. And um but yeah, going we gotta look back at that coaching staff. They really didn't have a structure, and the guys were asking for help like in their exit interviews. For all I know, he could have been one of those guys asking for help. I I don't think they ever said who it was. I think they kept it, it all confidential, whoever like those sources were. But yeah, any other thoughts you'd like to add on the Rangers? Uh, No, I think you hit hit it. I mean, look, I
0: think, again, they have so much talent there in an elite level goaltender. I mean, you have to expect to make the playoffs. I mean, unless something, you know, injuries or something you don't predict. And then I think, you know, in the NHL, when you're in the playoffs, the one thing, you know, every single year that happens and people forget this, but it happens every year like clockwork. Goaltending wins you a Stanley Cup. You're not going to win games in the Stanley Cup playoffs, eight, seven or eight, six. Right. You've got to keep the score low. And so hopefully, you know, Igor is, is on at that time of year. And also coupled with the fact that, you know, Phil Housley and Laviolette can preach, you know, more of a defensive system because it was not there last
1: year. Yeah. I think I'm most impressed. Yeah. Phil Housley's a good addition behind the bench with Laviolette, but more, important, but I'm most impressive with the additions of Michael Pekka and Dan Muse, like, cause we got a nice combination of the old school and new school coaching. It's like a, Yin and Yang. I told Johnny Lazarus, but yeah, goal, goaltending, yeah. goaltending wins championships. Hell, we our first first preseason game, we got goalied by. I don't even remember the kid's name because I was more focused on. Name, yeah, he was good. Yeah, but for what was I, good, right? Yeah, but I wasn't watching because I was watching the Cardinals beat the Cowboys. But for what I understood, Heedle and Lafreniere, despite not putting up points, they were very noticeable. I, I don't know if.
0: Yeah, uh, I would I would agree with that. Uh, Brendan Schneider had a terrible game. He had an awful giveaway. Um, but yeah, uh, Lafreniere and Heedle both that game played well. Uh, I thought in particular out of the two, Hedl actually was probably the better of the two. But uh, Lafreniere played well. Uh, look, Lafreniere and Katko, and I am so tired of, I say this every week on our show, I am so tired of talking about it. But what comes up every week is the amount of pressure that those two are under to take the next step. So it'll be interesting this year to see at the end of the season, you know, where those two are in their own personal game.
1: Absolutely. And I said, like, keep in mind, you know, people like to compare Stutzel and Lafreniere or Hughes and Kako. Well, one Hughes skating ability sets them apart from many veterans in the league Two, Hughes went to a devil's team. That was terrible. Stutzel went to a Senator's team. That was terrible. When Kako and Lafreniere both came to the Rangers, they were, whether or not you would agree they were playoff contenders at the time, they were very deep at the positions that they were selected at. But anyway, I will say this. While I do not, expect them to take jumps this year, there might be some growing pains at the beginning because of the new system, but if they stay consistently in the top six and they get power play times, I think they'll put up 25 plus goals and or 60 or more points. Well, I don't think they'll win the cup this year. I think they're going to win it 2025. I'm sticking to my guns on that. We shall see. I mean, I, I,
0: you know, look, I, the term we use on my show all the time is window of opportunity, right? You, you only have so many years where your window is open and then it shuts and you got to wait for it to reset. The Rangers now and kind of their grandiose window of opportunity are probably now entering the second half of it. Yeah. Uh, so if it's not in the spring of 2024 and it's a year out from now, I think most Ranger fans would accept that. We'll take it.
1: Absolutely. But anyway, I think that just about wraps it up for hockey. Let's go to the NFL where once again, my hopes and dreams were crushed. We'll get to that in a little bit if you want to, but what's your biggest take? What's your biggest takeaway from week three? Uh, From week three, I think it's two
0: things. Uh, One, you're not going to like, and it's the jets and, I don't know how you sell to your fan base that this is the best option that you have, right? The Jets and I used to have Jets season tickets. Uh, I am still on their mailing list, so they'll try and sell me tickets every year. I don't know if because sports are is a business after all, how you sell to your fan base that there is not a better option right now than Zach than Zach Wilson. Now, I don't know that going out and trying to get Kirk Cousins for this season cuz you're going to have to give up a lot cuz it's Kirk Cousins. I think that's del-
1: I feel like that's yeah. a delusional take yeah, to yeah. think I, they're going to get him.
0: If you look, if Kirk Cousins was a free agent, absolutely there you go. But you're not going to give up something to fill in uh this 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 season. Um and I we had a whole clip we put up over the summer that said, "Look, the hardest thing the Jets were going to deal with not knowing that Aaron Rodgers was going to get injured was how hard their schedule was in the first 8 games." So the schedule's not getting any easier here. So if it, it, that's one thing I took away from week three. The other was the Cowboys. I mean, here's a team that dismantled the the Giants. They dismantled the Jets. But now you kind of look at it and say, well, wait a second. Maybe it was just smoke and mirrors because the Giants and the Jets aren't good. How they go out to Arizona and, and play like that, you know, from last week, you know, Super Bowl juggernaut and all that. I mean, I, I certainly step back from that. And the other thing I should say. which would be a crime not to mention is the miami dolphins because
1: absolutely i
0: i I don't know and i picked this wrong we do weekly picks on our show
1: yeah i think didn't didn't you guys go over five this week if i remember we went we
0: went over five Yeah, we were five and oh last week so it's funny how it's
1: like we hit we 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 hit the two extremes
0: um it's it's amazing in the nfl how you could have a veteran coach like sean payton and a defense allows 70 points i mean it's it's unbelievable. Like you could have had the, if you think about it, you could have had the Broncos plus forty nine, and you would have lost. That's all you need to know.
1: Wow. And and the Dolphins didn't have Jalen Waddle either. And they expect to get him back against the Bills this yeah. week, if I yes. remember correctly. They,
0: they, I just read about an hour ago that he is uh, he practiced full, you know, force today.
1: Yeah, but I hate to I hate to agree with it, but listen. I've been a Jet fan my whole life, and one, I blame my dad. <laughs> he, he apologizes to me at least once a year for making me a Jet fan. Two, I blame Vinny Testaverde, Curtis Martin, Wayne Corbett, because, like, I grew up, like, during the Parcells years when I was a little kid, and to me, they gave me the false impression that they were always that good, but... Joe Namath, I'm, I'm sure you heard Joe Namath went s- scorched earth on the organization this week. Mm-hmm. Not just, not just on Zach Wilson. I don't get me wrong. I agree with every criticism of Zach Wilson now. And listen, I want this freaking kid to succeed. I want him to prove me wrong. I want him to, you know, go out there Sunday night football and just light it up. But I, gen- I-, I have no reason to to have faith in him. But. As far as, you know, Robert Sala goes, it's like, all right, what more? Uh, Listen, I get him, you know, telling, saying at the press conferences, oh, he's our best option. He's our best option. But I feel like that's just lip surface to, you know, Zach Wilson. You don't want to necessarily shatter his confidence. But at the same time, are you going to let your team implode over this one guy? There's that. Two, are you really telling me that Trevor Simeon, who they signed yesterday, I believe, are you really going to tell me he was your best available option? I ha- I personally would rather have Carson Wentz. Uh, here, here's an, here's another guy. Is Nick Foles retired or is he still available? Uh, he's available. So I heard or
0: I read somewhere that on Sunday, now I don't know if this was Sunday before they played the Patriots or after they played the Patriots, because this would be a big thing to know in this story, that either Carson Wentz, or so his agent, so one of the two reached out to the Jets and said, Hey, I'm available. Are you interested in my services? To which the Jets flat out said, No, we're sticking with Zach Wilson. Now, I know Carson Wentz is on the second half of his career, but if you told me what quarterback has a better chance to win a football game with that offense, Zach Wilson or Carson Wentz, I'm thinking Carson, I'm taking my chance with Carson Wentz. I'm not even thinking
1: twice. Absolutely. I mean, you don't need a quarterback who's freaking incredible. You need a quarterback who's good or or just decent, who, you know, has the brain. You don't, and you don't ask him to do too much. I'll, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that Mark Sanchez was a good quarterback. The problem came when they, when they asked him to do too much. And Joe, the fact that Joe Douglas and Robert Sala haven't replaced him. Listen, I feel like personally, I think Robert Sala's job is safe. Joe Douglas, I'm kind of iffy on because he got us Jermaine Johnson, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, et cetera, et cetera. But he's also had some duds, Denzel Mims, Elijah Moore. And it looks like at right now, it looks like he's willing to die on this hill with Zach Wilson. But does he have no fear of getting fired because Woody Johnson is just like, no, you have to roll with this kid. Because I feel like any other GM and just about any other organization would have been pressured get get us a new freaking quarterback. We gotta win some football games.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, it, I think you out you you kind of laid it out there perfectly, right? I mean, I I, I th- there's got to be a reason. It's almost like I, I'm I am not a baseball guy, but it's almost like the Yankees with Brian Cashman, right? Like, oh, how are you still? this guy? <laughs>
1: how, how is
0: this guy still the general manager? He's had one title in twenty three years with a ridiculous payroll right but is there is there some reason the steinbrenners like him that we don't know it's the same thing is there some reason woody johnson and robert Sala like zach wilson i said on our show yesterday and uh i i didn't mean it to be mean but it's just true if, if you're the second pick overall in a draft and you're drafted and you're the quarterback you didn't go to byu
1: No, I mean, he didn't go to a power five school like that. I'm sorry. The NFL moves much faster than the mountain West. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And, and I won't lie. I do feel terrible for the kid. I, I genuinely do. But yeah, cause he went from, you know, playing at a, I, would you call BYU a small school? I don't know, but to playing in the biggest media market in the world. And he's just getting ripped to shreds and not saying it isn't justified based on how he's played, but like he just looks so gun shy back there. And you know, this is just coming to my mind and it's going to sound so dumb, but what if they just tell him, Zach, just go out and have fun. Just don't think too much. Just go out and have fun. I, I, you know what?
0: I mean, it wouldn't hurt. I don't, but I don't know what the answer is. Like if you're going to stick with Zach Wilson, I don't know what the, what the answer then is what you say to him or the way you have him play or what the recommendation is on how you run an offense around him, I have no idea. I really don't. And the schedule doesn't get easier, right? They play, they play Kansas city this week. Now you look at next week and say, that's a winnable game in Denver. You would think, I mean, you wouldn't be surprised if they lost it, but it's a winnable game. Mm -hmm. But then behind that, they have the Eagles, Eagles and the Giants, and and the Chargers and Justin Herbert. So the schedule
1: is not getting any easier here. No, get this: like we paid, you know, my wife's a Giants fan. I'm a Jets fan. Get this: we paid like three hundred. They were so expensive because supposedly Aaron Rodgers was going to play. We dropped three hundred bucks on those tickets to the Jets Giants game. Uh, but yeah, that mm. ba- that basically. I don't necessarily want Robert Sala or Joe Douglas to go. Cause just constant turnover is just shows sign of a bad organization. I mean, I am, I'm Sala. I'm definitely willing to stick with. Cause personally, I feel like they don't win that game one without him, but you know, Douglas, I'm still wary of him, especially because the offensive line isn't that great. And he's an offensive lineman by trade. Like, I mean, at the same time, you know, I think the picking Becton was good. I think picking Vera Tucker was good. And even, I think just about anyone would have picked, maybe would have picked Zach Wilson second overall. But at the same time, you're kind of scratching your head at how this team isn't fantastic right now. But, well, they should be fantastic. But I, I don't know how far back you listened to this show. Me and Zach, my co-host, you know, he, he couldn't make it tonight because, you know, his wife's about the pop basically, but we once we get into a debate over the quarterback position, like, cause I've told them before, I think the quarterback position was is the most overrated position in sports. And uh yeah, I'm slowly, but surely kind of changing my mind in that position. So yeah, that's I agree with you on the jets take the same with the dolphins. I think what I take away from the, that dolphins game is, I don't think the Bills are the favorite to win the AFC East anymore. I think it is Miami. And I think they're going to go into Buffalo and beat the Bills. But one game you didn't touch on, I'm going to go with the Bengals and the Rams. And what I'm going to say is this. Even though the Bengals won, okay, they had a rough start. I think what it's basically confirming is they really can't – Joe Burrow, when he's hurt, really can't perform to the best of his ability. I'm looking at his stats – 259 yards. All right. That's all right. 26 for 49 on completions, no touchdowns and an interception. So guy kind of got to wonder Bengals may not be the favorites to win the AFC North this time around.
0: Uh, yeah, that's a, and that's a wide open division, right? I mean, you have the Steelers area who are now two and one. You have the Ravens who really have not looked good offensively at all. Like if you drafted Mark Andrews early and you're in a fantasy draft as a tight end position, he's been awful. Um, they haven't got things going offensively. Cleveland is just you know one week you're, you're you look good, the next week you don't. Yeah, the AFC North is wide open right now, and it's almost like no team is 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 wanting to be in the position to, to take a commanding lead. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a weird weird
1: division right now. Absolutely. So I, that basically wraps up for week three. What do you think is the biggest storyline heading into week four? I think it has to be the
0: Dolphins and the Bills, right? I mean, look, clearly the Jets and the Patriots are the second class of the AFC East. Yeah. Uh, and, and with the first class being the Dolphins and the Bills, um, it'll be interesting. You know, the, the, um, the, the Dolphins are not putting up 70 again. However, their offense is high flying. Tyreek Hill seems unstoppable. You add Jalen Waddle to it. Uh, Josh Allen has been a lot better since that Week One loss, nine and eleven at MetLife Stadium. He's looked a lot better the last two weeks. Their offense has so hard to get going. Diggs had a really good week down in Washington, so I think it's a it that to me is just it's an early it's a really big game early on in the season because if the Dolphins can win it and go to four and zero and push the Bills to two and two, you know with the way tiebreakers work, the, the the Dolphins would be up two and a half games after you know in the division which is not an insurmountable lead, but to be up two and a half games after four weeks in your entire division and playing in the way they are. I mean, it really would give them a stranglehold on winning the AFC East. It would, it would give them a heck of an opportunity.
1: Absolutely. They're, they're in cruise control at that point. And listen, two and a half games doesn't sound like a lot, but in the NFL, that is a lot of games. Mm-hmm. Because, a lot. Yeah. MLB you could afford to be behind two and a half games early NBA, NHL. You could afford to be behind two and a half early, but games have so much more value. One game has so much more value in the NFL, as opposed to both those leagues. That's why I, we celebrate it so hard. The jets winning that week, one game against the bills. Cause you know, our expectation was possibly when the AFC East, you got to beat your, you know, you got to beat your divisional rivals. Yep. Yep. Simple as that. For me, I think it's going to be, you know, I think the Kansas City Chiefs are just going to roll into. I, I, I don't know if it necessarily counts as more of a storyline or a prediction because, you know, I think it's just Kansas City is just going to roll the MetLife Stadium Sunday night football. And I, I could just see it all now. <sighs> the camera once again shows pan- Taylor Swift's suite as she celebrates a Travis Kelsey touchdown. And a Jets blowout loss, I'm like, oh great! This is what, all now the Swifties know how terrible we are. <laughs> yep, they'll they'll find out real quick. Absolutely, but do you have? Okay, let's go with some other predictions. Do you have predictions for five of the more prominent games this week? Uh, yeah.
0: So I, I mean, I think if we're going to talk prominent, just because of the franchises, you have the Patriots at the Cowboys. Um, from a betting point of view, I like the Patriots getting seven. It's a lot of points. Um, okay. and I, but I think the Cowboys will win. But, I mean, the Cowboys don't really blow teams out. The Patriots don't ever really get blown out that often. And the Cowboys looked terrible last week. So I, I, I like the Patriots getting seven. Um, I would say, you know, let me touch on the Steelers and the Texans because we talked about the AFC North. I like the Steelers there. I mean, I don't know what is going on in Jacksonville, right? How you lose to the, the Texans at home like that is beyond me. But I, I I don't know that they can play that level of football consistency, so I would like the Steelers there. Um, I'll do the Monday night game, and that is the Giants. Uh, look, the Giants schedule after this week, they are playing the Bills. Uh, I'm sorry, the Dolphins and then the Bills. So those are two losses right there, right? So if I'm the Giants, I need to win this game or else my season is just going to be unraveled by mid-October. Uh, and they're they're giving one and a half so i like them and they also have some extra rest because they're coming up playing on thursday last week and seattle has to come cross country
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i like the giants there really um yeah. and then i think i'll take tomorrow night i don't usually pick the thursday night game but i think when you have the lions and the packers and with all the <laughs> hype with the lions uh you know the the packers need if you look at the way they won week one in Chicago. They, if you look at the stats before he got hurt, that offense went through Aaron Jones, right? And I know Aaron Jones is old, and you're like, Wow, the guy still plays. No, like it went through him, he scored, he had receiving yards, he had uh rushing yards, etc. He went down. The offense has not been the same since. So it sounds like he's gonna play tomorrow night. I think if he plays, I may actually take the Packers. However, if he doesn't, I'm hundred percent taking Detroit.
1: All right, I'll give my predictions for that game. I think. What happened with the Cowboys? I think one of yeah, I think they lost lost Diggs prior. Well, they they're definitely without Diggs. I'm just brain farting on whether or not it was before or after this game. But I think they went into Arizona and they were just thinking, oh, it's just the Cardinals. I think they're gonna have a wake up call. I think they're gonna win by you know more than one possession this game. I'm good. I'm gonna go with the Cowboys. I guess six and a half you know, over the Patriots over six and a half. That's my prediction for that game for the Steelers against the Texans. Uh, give me the Steelers. I mean, I'm not, I understand that the quarterback in Texas has been doing well in spite of, you know, his offensive line and what he's really had. But I think, you know, Pittsburgh, you know, they're just the, I just think they're the better team. Just simple as that for Atlanta at the Jaguars. I, I this cut this is oh this is a a London game if I'm not mistaken It'll kind of feel like a home game to the Jacksonville Jaguars how often they play in London yeah, I know their owner loves playing there he has great relationships with people that air but I think you know they're gonna refresh my memory did they lose this week to did they lose last week Atlanta
0: I, yes, they lost Atlanta lost up in Detroit.
1: Uh, no, I meant the Jaguars.
0: Oh, the Jaguars, yeah, they lost at home to uh, the Texans.
1: That's right, that's they right. They
0: got blown out at home.
1: I think ultimately what that comes down to is, you know, it's a rivalry game. That could be very similar to the scenario to like the Dallas Cowboys in the sense that they were probably just looking at their rival like, oh, it's just the Texans. And, you know, they kind of needed to get humbled a bit. So I think they'll kind of have a wake-up call. They'll end up taking this game Against the Falcons, uh, give me, you know, give me nine and a half, over nine and a half. This game, All right? Seattle on the Giants, um, ooh, this is tough. This is tough because I think the Giants are a better team than, you know, what their record shows. I think my wife will like to hear that, but I think I still have to go with Seattle on. This one, you know, with the weapons they have, you know, you could say the giants are well coached till you're blue in the face, but I still think Seattle's the better team. I think the giants will stay in it for most of the game, but eventually Seattle's going to get that dagger late and they're gonna take the, they're probably going to win by 10 or so. That's my prediction there. And, um, The Detroit Lions versus the Packers. It's at Lambeau. And, you know, given the history, you know, the past decade or so, these matchups, I think the tide is finally turning in the Lions' favor. I'm gonna go with Detroit on that one. Uh but uh by uh, you know what, they're gonna win by a point, calling it now. Yeah. Yep. Uh that's really all right, that's really all I got to say about the NFL. Anything else you want to touch up on? Or, I mean, I last I checked, the no,
0: no, all right, because we could. Talk. No, I was gonna say, uh, it was great, it was, yeah, it was great. What do you want to talk about?
1: I was gonna say, we could talk baseball. The Yankees are up seven nothing last I checked. I'm like, oh wow, that's I don't, yeah, I don't. <laughs>
0: I used to in, in my in my pre kid days, uh, I was really into the Yankees. My wife and I had a ticket plan and everything, we were actually there. In the building when they won the World Series in two thousand nine versus the Phillies, I actually was there in two thousand three when Aaron Boone hit the famous home run in Game so Seven versus my, the Red the,
1: Sox. At the where'd, where'd you sit? That where'd you sit that game? Because my dad was at that. So game we two. sat.
0: We sat. This was the old Yankee Stadium. Yes. We sat in Section Two of the upper deck, so it was right behind the plate. Okay. My favorite story. My favorite story from that night to tell people that we're not there are two things. That game was on a Thursday night. Okay, and first of all, because it was the Yankees, Boston, and the series was such a highly contested and emotional everyone was into it they had new york city police officers in every section of the upper deck that would stand on the uh, you know up on the walkways for each section and when aaron boone hit the home run you had police officers that i am pretty sure had loaded guns on them literally hugging fans i mean it was like everyone was going nuts so <laughs> you then li- leave the stadium and it's about like 12 25 12 30 on a late Thursday night, early Friday morning. And we went back to the garage on river road that we parked on, which was, you know, like literally probably the biggest garage there. And nobody was leaving. Right. Wow. People had to go to work in six hours. It was late, but everyone was just so celebratory moods that nobody left. Like people were hanging out and it wasn't like people were sitting there pounding beers. It's just nobody left.
1: Yeah. Everyone wanted to hang out. Yeah, my dad was sitting behind the bullpen, like in the bleachers behind Monument Park, and he had to go into work. I'd say like an hour or two later, and he went in. Everyone's like, everyone walked up to him. It's like they were like, "Yo, how was it?" And like, he didn't have a voice. It's like, "God, I say, I say. But, yeah. it was amazing."
0: Yeah, that game, you know, they were down. So I, I was rem- at. I, the remember, I, remember.
1: Yeah. I remember. I remember. I remember. I remember. They
0: were. They were down in games. So they played the day before. Game six, they could have wrapped that series up. I was there. It was a rainy afternoon game, and I'm pretty sure Pettit started. And you, all, and they had a lead, too. They may run up 4-1. So you had like a 4-1 lead. You had Andy Pettit on the hill. I mean, this thing was over, right? And that all fell apart. And then the way game seven started where it all fell apart early. The way that they battled back and just the emotional like investment everyone had from Pedro Martinez throwing Don Zimmer on the ground. You know the previous Saturday. I mean, it's just like you were just so into this series that yeah, that was uh, uh, that was a wild one.
1: Yeah, I'm looking at the box score of Game Six right now. They they got a run early in the. They got one run in the first, and then Boston scored four in the, in the third. Then the Yankees got four in the, in the fifth. But anyway, I'm rambling on there. But yeah, I remember watching that game. I remember going to bed, and just hearing like my aunt and our family friends going apeshit downstairs and then I just hear them running up the stairs they open my door they just look me in the eye and say tie game so like my mom let me watch a little bit more of it so I fell asleep before before seeing Aaron Boone hit the home run I, I was in fourth grade yeah I was in fourth grade at the time but, but another memory little did I you know how much torment this would cause me I remember watching Mo Lewis knock out Drew Bledsoe.
0: So I was if you want to hear a terrible thing about that, that was week two of 2001. I was, I was in college and actually that was if I'm yes. So that was week two and I was a college student in Boston. So we were watching, there was a bar in Boston. I think it's still there. It was called the Avenue in Austin, in Austin. And it was a Jets bar where they would play Jets games. So we would watch the games there. Uh, but that week we didn't have to watch it there because it was on, they were playing the Patriots, right? It was a local game, but we went anyway. And I remember being thrilled that Drew Bledsoe was out. And, but of course it then led to 15 years of frustration uh, because of that hit on the sideline. Absolutely.
1: Oh uh, yeah. My, yeah. That was when my dad lived in Weehawken, but anyway, Jeff, I thank you so much for coming onto this show, and um, I, if you want to tell my listeners where to follow you, and um, I, by the way, I got to apologize. Yeah, uh, sure, I got to apologize. What to were you, you saying? Yeah, I got to apologize to you because I brain cramped on this. Usually, in the intro of my show, whenever I have a guest, I let people introduce themselves. I kind of forgot to do that for you, but I think totally now-
0: fine. You did. it, You did so
1: totally fine uh so you can listen to us we're on
0: we're on uh itunes and spotify uh you can watch our show live on youtube if you want to watch us on camera which you'll see why we do not have faces for camera <laughs> um you can uh you can certainly interact with us on our instagram page we get questions all the time we try to be super responsive i think we do a good job of it of getting back to you if you have questions you can find our merchandise on the bamboozleproject.com you could get, get shirts with our stuff on it hats everything mind your fucking business gear you could wear, uh, use promo code MYPB,
1: save yourself 25%. Uh, and that's it. So thanks for having me, Jack. It was a lot of fun. Absolutely, Jeff. It was fun to have you on. But yeah, we, yeah, you may have noticed. I did ask our followers on Instagram to support, to send us any questions. All I got really got was from, Ty, from Tyler LaQuinta, Minchu Manias back. All I could say to that is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Jeff. <laughs> thanks thank you very much for coming on and uh good luck with it. everything because it look your show just got a your show just got sponsored by a big sports i'm, I'm not sure if i'm obligated to repeat who it is but you know yeah looks, sure sure yeah 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 you guys just yeah because i don't know i don't know what the future entails for my show who knows they could possibly sponsor for us it could be someone else i don't know but yeah draft kings are sponsoring you guys now that's a huge step you guys got a you guys got a cool studio me but looking on camera, this is probably like maybe like the 16th different setup we've had here. <laughs> like I'm recording in my guest bedroom right now. Uh, the the camera is my laptop and it's sitting on the guest bed right now So because the table we usually use. My other co-host, Tom, had to he took it to Bristol because, you know, he's a resident NASCAR guy. He loves to go camping, all that stuff. But yeah, Jeff, you're you're doing a fantastic job with mind your pucking business again listeners that's mind your pucking business with a p so thank you very much jeff thanks take care jack you got it. if you made it this far thank you very much for listening be sure to follow us on all our social medias at funs podcast on twitter and instagram and at fat of like nerds talking sports on facebook and be sure to subscribe to us on youtube and wherever you get your podcast this is jackknife alongside with jeff krentzman of mind your pucking business everyone's love it, everyone